0: And we are back. Thank you for joining us for my favorite part of the show. It's the interview segment. And I am joined today by my Daily Dots companion, Mr. Chase Taylor, Brain Trust. And uh, we're going to do, we're going to get back to our normal interview. uh, Explain this on the show. So bear with me for a second. Because maybe you didn't listen to the show. But uh we we talked about this. We're gonna to return to our normal interview schedules next week. Got some great ones lined up. But um we've been watching this market and the levels that it's been trading at for quite a while. We've been telling you guys how important we thought some of these levels were. And we were having a discussion earlier today, like we do, oh I don't know, probably at least once a week. Um, just about, you know, how we're positioned, how we're putting things on, uh, how we're gonna manage things going forward. And I kind of stopped halfway through and I was like, you know what, man? Honestly, I think it'd be best if we just put this on the on the program. Um, and I kind of explained on the show, sometimes I sometimes think it's helpful not to hear what we have to say, but rather just kind of hear how we process things or we think about things. And, you know, even if you're a home gamer doing it on your own, I I would think, I mean, it would always help me to hear people that were, you know, managing bigger amounts of money or, you know, listening to the way that they did anyway, so we just thought it'd be a good opportunity for you guys some you know if your potential clients listening to the way that we think if you manage your own money maybe getting some ideas but um, we've always gotten positive feedback in the past when we do these segments so we thought we'd do it again so anyway uh, flip it over to you chase um, interesting week
1: um, <laughs> this is the longest week of my of my life
0: yeah um, <clears throat> it, it, it there's so I don't even know where to start man uh, other than the fact that this just seems to get I try to think of the right word uh maybe you can help me fill it in, but it just seems to get um wilder and wilder every week um I see less and less it it seems like it's becoming like a more and more imaginative market, like meaning um more fanciful in some ways, like you know like you know we've seen a lot of crazy stuff, but it is pretty interesting to watch you know high like non economically priced technology companies ripping alongside rates you know yeah
1: that, like that was that was pretty intense today
0: that was wild which
1: as we always say you can get anything in one day but to see to see the jobs report essentially take a cut away and add you know close to 20 basis points to the entire curve in one day and to have i mean obviously you know like meta and amazon made sense because their quarter told you like they deserved it but then to see, um, you know, some of the other names that maybe don't fit that profile, just go, go ahead and latch on to, um, and not, not only that, but to have have the rampage that you're seeing in in tech and just the the broad the entire market, and then to go look at small caps or equal weight, or just to look at go look at all 500 stocks, see how many are up or down on the year, and to realize like you just have you know, you just have a couple of winners and and a, and a bunch of losers and it's, it's just crazy to to kind of watch in real time.
0: Yeah. The stock market is seven stocks. If you want to make money.
1: And, and as of this past week, five, so yeah, yeah five. <laughs> well, four really
0: five and it's, it's, it's really incredible to watch. And, and I think that you're setting up um, you said something earlier today and I really agree with it. And I, I, um, I really don't think it's too far from here. Uh which is you know i i i if you're going to break if you're going to break out with this kind of veracity with this kind of backdrop with the threat of inflation reigniting and rates going higher and the rest of the stuff around the world um i think that you got to nobody including you or me knows exactly how it's going to play out or what it's going to look like but i think that you need to get imaginative right now and I, and i and i feel like there's a need to have widen your scope of imagination and here's what i'm saying If you have two companies right now that people are aggressively purchasing, like a Netflix and a Tesla, at their valuations, at the financial performance both of them put out in this environment, I think you can make an easy case for the FANG names and the Meg 7 trading at an average of 60 to 70 times earnings, right? And if they're trading at levels like that, you and I both know that what NASDAQ and S&P are probably 50 to 70% higher in that event. Oh, yeah. Right? What I'm saying is – I'm not saying this is my call. What I'm saying is I think you can see it from here. I, I think if you told me right now that the NASDAQ was going to double over the next 14 to 16 months, I'm not betting my house you're wrong. No, not at all. And and here's the narrative. Well, yeah, but they're trading at 50, 60 times earnings. That's insane. Yeah, but they're the only companies in the world that continue to grow earnings during a recession. That, that ain't – and you, you've already got them. Are, I mean you and I both know. Look,
1: they have all the tailwinds.
0: If you had Netflix and Tesla trading at the same valuations right now as those companies, I wouldn't touch them with a 10 foot pole. Right. But the market, you, you see several of these examples. You know, like th- this is a market right now that's paying double the multiple for Netflix and does Google. That's a market where Google, th- th- those big tech names could easily double from here.
1: Right. You could have a, a just a rotation from, you know, from three of the Mag 7s to another three of the Mag 7s but still have it be enough to to drag the entire index higher
0: yeah I mean well I mean I mean for instance if you if you if I had the option to buy Amazon Google um, uh, Microsoft and meta right at these valuations right now you know or uh, I'm trying to think you know or so many of these other companies but I mean you know, if I had, if if you had put a gun in my head right now and said I had to buy those companies, or, you know, I don't know, even even some lower multiple names, and I had to hold them for the next five years and not touch them, I mean, I, I'd be, yeah, on the valuation side, the the but you know the other side of it too is you can look at on a, on a certainly on a price to earnings ratio. Now, I Microsoft is nosebleed expensive, but but on a price to earnings ratio, as far as the rest of them go in a marketplace like this, not only do I say, I I think you can see the, the justification for it, but in a marketplace like this, if you're going to continue to pay up 50 and 60 times earnings for companies that aren't growing, I I think it's a pretty, I I don't think it's a stretch to say that those companies are too cheap. They're recession proof, man.
1: That I'm not maybe quite as convinced of, but.
0: I'm not saying that that's what I think's happening. I'm saying I, 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 you, you—that is the next line of logic to justify the next next leg up on those things, and you can see it right well, now.
1: So, I'll, what I'll say justifies the the next leg is the, here's the way I look at it. You have three just massive forces that could create a blow off top. Number one, productivity being ba- more or less all of a sudden at kind of a a call it a I mean essentially a generational high. You're you're at the top end of the range of the last two decades and you've, and you've spent some time above that range. So you have a product, a productivity, we'll call it above trend productivity that could turn into a productivity boom. Then on top of that, you have the Fed that very well may be about to cut despite the fact that the economy is incredibly strong. Um, i mean just just those two if you if i was just to tell you look look you're gonna have a product you're gonna have very strong productivity and the fed's gonna cut into it you got four percent growth you're gonna have jobs booming you're gonna have real incomes rising pretty substantially and we're just gonna cut and cut interest rates in that environment um and no by the way we're gonna run a really really big deficit and congress is talking about (laughs) cutting taxes right now like Hey, here's a here's a giant deficit, a productivity boom, and we're going to cut rates despite the fact that growth is reaccelerating. Like, I, I I could not even imagine a better environment to have a blow off top in, in equities than that. And that, well, we, I, we we're I, staring down the barrel of all three of those things.
0: You you still think there's a productivity boom? I don't. I don't. I I know the productivity numbers are saying it. I just think they're nonsense.
1: Well, he, he, here's what I would say: he, he, you're viewing. A lot of things through the prism of this doesn't make sense. This data doesn't make sense unless, and you're going with undercounting inflation, overcounting growth. It does make sense if you're having that much productivity. You're not. Uh, you don't know that. You, you, don't, can't, you can't say you're not.
0: You're having it at five, maybe five or seven companies.
1: I, that, I don't think that's true.
0: Then, then why are all the other? If that if that is the case, why are why why is almost every other sector out there by and large suffering? And Not suffering, that's too strong a word, but, but pinched. Okay, you'd
1: see it in other places. Not, not necessarily. Like, uh, I, I think you can, use, you can just use the basic passive flow uh, narrative thesis to explain why think, only the top does well. I
0: think the majority of it's the work from home effect. I think that's making productivity numbers look way bigger than they are. I think that has way more to do with it than anything like AI or any emerging big boom. I just think companies are dropping uh, headcounts. Cause they can, I think companies are, but, uh, but
1: companies aren't dropping headcounts. The, the labor data is incredibly strong. Uh, they're dropping hours.
0: Uh, okay. Whatever. Call it what you want. But, uh, the labor data da- data is strong, but every single time I look, I, I the, the data for me is really hard to interpret because all I'm seeing are companies that are supposed to be part of the big growth curve and part of the productivity. Boom. All I keep seeing is news about how they're cutting staff.
1: Oh yeah, but you're, like your
0: big swaths of hiring and stuff like that.
1: But re- remember, like
0: you have to look at what's going on at economy the, wide. The, I ch- understand the, that the,
1: the churn, the churn for labor is like millions and millions of jobs, like every, every quarter. So to see like a so and so is letting fi- fifteen thousand people go, like that is that's a, a, a drop in the ocean.
0: No, no, I yeah, I understand that. Yeah, I'm not economically illiterate i get that
1: well well, then you, but then you can't to me like cite headlines like oh like so-and-so's letting some people go like that's always going to be the case um and we have we have the job cut data from challenger gray like they actually track the job cuts and it's down 20 percent year over year so like we know compared to last year we're letting less people go tech tech let a lot of people go in in 2022 and even parts of 2023 um so i
0: Um, No, no, I look, it's, 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 I I have, I I think this is a perfect environment to say strong convictions loosely held. I I have no idea what's going on. I, I, and I have no problem saying that. I think anybody that says they do is full of it. I I just, I think there's so much conflicting data. Um, I think that we're going to find out that. And, and I, and I can, I can see it going in 18 different directions, not all, you know, one way. I just think we're going to find out. I just think a lot of dust has to settle to make things look clear. Um, and and I, the problem I have with any of these theses to me is it doesn't line up with reality on the ground to, to, to go back to what you were saying earlier. Meaning none of the – like so you, you can you, – you, you can, we can cite like two or three factors and go, well, yeah, this looks like productivity is really blown off. Look at the numbers. Then you can look at something over here that is completely conflicting that and i just feel like that's what you've got you've got these trade offs all the time right like like the strong jobs report and yet dropping dr- dropping hours at the same time we know that there are things going on in these data collections or these data numbers that we're not that are that are abnormal that aren't that are noise what it means at this point i don't
1: know right like meaning i, I think if, it, i think it means productivity is pretty high and that and that and that to be to be super clear here though like Productivity is not a thing you can just like put your finger on and go here it is like it's so difficult to measure. Um,
0: I I understand that, but think, but think about think about if you think about the work from home thing. Okay, so when when we're when we're ready to chalk up productivity to some technological advance that's going to be making everything better in the future, do you know how much money and time it's say think, think of the square footage that Amazon has dropped from their list of expenditures. Over the last year and a half just with the just with the Seattle office space they've given up right think about all the people working from home. think of the overhead costs, you know all that kind of stuff that come out of it. I I, I am tempted when I look at everything right now, I'm kind of just sitting there going, look again, I could be wrong, but I think the vast majority of these productivity numbers are just from people working at home. I mean, that, it makes the most sense to me. I don't. Yeah,
1: really see I, where... I, at the same time, a lot of people really slack off at home. I feel like so. Well, yeah, but but, but... but we also heard stories, a lot of them actually, of people that are taking two jobs, two full time remote jobs, never not telling. E- either employee that they're doing it right. and just getting full blown two two giant paychecks because they can pull it off. Well, yeah, but how many,
0: okay. But yeah, but let's stop. But, that,
1: but it. that, that would, that would, to me, that would suggest a pretty big tailwind for productivity when one person is doing two real okay. jobs. Okay.
0: So let, in my opinion, let's get back to reality here. Let's take talk any fortune 500 company, any fortune 500 company in the, in the, in the country that you want to look at how many employees as a percentage do you think are actually producing work in those companies that equals an output or, or equals what their compensation is over the course of the year i, I would bet you the percentage is less than 25 percent.
1: yeah i've always viewed stuff like that as basically 80 20
0: yeah i mean it, it usually always comes out to 80 20 right okay well if if you get a big chunk of those people working from home i'm not saying all of a sudden they're going to become uh you know <laughs> dynamos and like crushing corporate america but guess what you're not doing you're not paying nearly as much for their for their. for uh, uh, you know, for their mediocre performance, right? You're just and and I, I just now, as I like, I don't think, I don't think you can look at AI in any other way to say that AI is going to be a productivity booster. And I'm sure at the margins, like I know some people that have already used gpt to to help out productivity. Like,
1: yeah, you see people like build a yeah. presentation on it and things like that that saves you an hour. Yeah, like, is is it's it, not nothing. I mean,
0: no, no, but is it is it is it big enough to show up in economic data at this point? If it is, it's very much at the margin. I agree. Right. So then where's, or, the, or I
1: should say, I assume.
0: So where's the productivity shift coming from? I, I, I just, I, I don't really see any other thing that you could chalk it up to other than, but I, I don't, but, but I also don't think that's insignificant. Like when you think about, for instance, in Bellevue alone right now, I believe Bellevue is a suburb of Seattle, but uh, in Bellevue alone, I want to say you've got a million and a half uh, square feet of office space that's empty. It sucks for the bank that owns the paper, but, but think about the rent payments and the lease payments that the people that were occupying that aren't paying anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I I don't know. I think that's where the, I think that's where the productivity is at. Um, but this clearly, I will say this, this and correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, and I got to eat some curl on this one, but. Really hard to see a recession coming out of these numbers at any time in the next four quarters, unless something really drastic were to happen in a very short period of time. It, do, do, you think that's, do you think that's too Pollyannish of a view?
1: I'm not willing to go four quarters, um, but – but well, I, I think it depends on – it hinges on two things. Construction employment, number one, which was positive again today. And number two, uh, just – I mean, asset prices, like – that. As long as asset prices are going up and construction employment is not in a, a, a drawdown of over 5%, you're, it's, it's basically impossible to have a recession. Obviously, if other employment breaks and construction doesn't. Like, Her,
0: you, well, hey, to, to go up. along with that, to go along with that, I had an interesting conversation with a real estate agent today. A real estate agent was telling me we're talk- the subject of rates came up. A real estate agent she see, said that she's seeing increasing numbers of people Doing asset-backed loans to buy houses on their securities portfolios, as opposed to traditional mortgages, and they're getting a, a cheaper—they're getting a cheaper rate, like hundred to hundred twenty basis points cheaper than traditional mortgages. <laughs> so, to go to your point, as that account goes higher and higher, right there you go.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it,
0: and I—I I think it's going to be really funny when the Fed finally realizes that.
1: Every time you see one of these hot data prints, you're just like, yeah, that, that's what happens when you make everyone way richer.
0: Like I, just, it's going to be fascinating to me because I believe at some point the Fed will have to acknowledge it and start. But when the Fed realizes that asset prices actually feed into inflation, which I think is hilarious that they don't they don't think that there's a knock they don't think that those are related.
1: But they, they cared about it a year ago. They just that's the other thing. But now that inflation's gone, they just they don't care about any of the transmission nope. you know mechanisms because who cares? We won. Like it's we got it.
0: I do, you can't, they don't even make sense to each other. Like they, they, you know, one moment, like you said, I thought you put it perfectly. What were we talking about with, uh, they were like, yeah, we can't, you know, we can't do this until inflation comes down. And then they flip around right around the, well, you know, like, so when inflation's going up, they've got one set of rules, but the inverse of that set of rules does not apply when inflation comes back down.
1: Yeah. If you follow them closely, you, (laughs) the longer you do, the more you realize they're kind of making it up as they go.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They're, I think the perfect way to look at them, and I don't want to take credit for this because I don't remember off the top of my head who said it first, but I think the way to, the longer I go, I think the way to look at them is to think about like the spiritual shaman that led cultures like a thousand years ago, you know, that are playing with chicken bones and stuff like that, that every, they won't go to war unless they talk to them. You know, they got to get the blessing from them. And of course those guys didn't know what the heck they were doing, but everybody believed they did. Yeah, you know, and it, and it, and again, it's not me knocking on them. Just look at how, if you want to know what we're talking about, pay attention to the Fed and watch how fast they go back against what they were just saying twelve months ago was gospel.
1: Or pointing to pointing to things that that they didn't didn't care about and vice versa. Yeah. By the way, this episode should be named uh, Jay Powell's Chicken Bones."
0: Yeah, yeah, there you go. The shaman Powell, shaman Powell's chicken bones.
1: Who is going to be on sixty minutes on Sunday night? So that that uh, the little birdie that dropped that nugget was correct.
0: Hey, well, yeah, but the birdie that I'm interested in is the birdie that heard our debate about that because I my point was the only reason I think he'd go on 60 Minutes is if he wasn't going to raise or if he wasn't going to cut. Well,
1: you, it's pretty obvious now, like, they're not cutting in March, but...
0: Just say it then. Just say the two words. Just so oh, he's I not... Well, he, he... No, no, no. Those aren't the words that I'm talking about. You're, oh, no, 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 You're, you're right. You were right. That's,
1: Give me the three words. The, there was no explicit March discussion there. It was, it was whether or not he would be more or less hawkish or dovish and i think he's got other people on his committee that he has to he has to convince to go, go along with him because he wants to cut so i my assumption is it, he's going to talk, talk directly to the american people let them know they're above the politics stuff but then is going to basically indirectly talk to the people on the committee to be like hey it's time to cut granted that's a little a little more awkward after the jobs print and we are assured by a couple folks that he did not have the numbers when he did the interview yesterday
0: okay so let's make a gentleman's bet okay Okay, hundred bucks, hundred bucks to a charity. No, 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 no. Let's flip this around. Let's. I, I want to make this more self serving than that. Hundred lunch for the office.
1: More self serving than charity.
0: Well, yeah, because I, I I want a good lunch out of this, and we and I shouldn't even. You guys will think I'm a bad human being. We give a lot to charity, a lot more than hundred bucks. L- lunch for the office. Okay, if he comes out hawkish, I'm buying.
1: The problem is the subjectivity. No,
0: if he's hawkish, you're buying. If he's dovish, I'm buying.
1: The, if we can agree
0: oh come on,
1: on. on whether he was hawkish or dovish, sure.
0: We're going to agree on that. I don't know. If he, you might,
1: I, he might hit it right down the, right down the fairway on this. Then year. why would he go on
0: 60 Minutes? He, if he was trying to hit yeah. it right down the... Fr-
1: and, and word on the street you, is he literally to- asked to go on. It wasn't like they were like, hey, do you want to come on? He yeah, was what, like, hey, it's time for me to be on.
0: Yeah, what's he going to try to do? Calm markets down? Maybe he's just going to show up he, and quit. Is he, is it going to be markets in turmoil? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is he freaked out about asset prices crashing?
1: Right tail turmoil is the only turmoil we have right now.
0: No, I know. And that's why I'm saying, I don't see any other reason for him to come on unless he's trying to justify why he's going to be more hawkish.
1: Well, the one I feel like the hard sells to be, nobody
0: generous. ever says, can I come on 60 minutes? Cause we're going to do more of what we've done over the last 16 years.
1: We'll see. I, I think he, I think he often goes on when it's time to, uh, pivot, let everyone know he's, It's time to turn that, turn the super tanker around. But also, like, if there was ever a time to go take an inflation victory lap, now is the time to do that.
0: Here's, here's the other thing I think is really interesting. I look at the size of our economy, and I look at all that. Another reason why I think data is screwed up. I think if you had legitimate four to four and a half percent growth, you'd have inflation higher than two and a half percent.
1: Not if you get a productivity boom again. The, that's like the, the that is how you sterilize inflation okay,
0: okay but let let okay let's talk about this, okay, mm-hmm. because if you have millions of people work from home, corporations no longer have to pay that at the same time governments stuffing people in money's pockets, that's your productivity boom it's making it look like a what does a productivity boom do? a productivity boom f- frees up a bunch of capital right that was previously needed to And I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, on like a textbook definition, right? It's that all of a sudden this process that used to require $10 to create X widget now requires six. You freed up that capital for it to do other things, right? That, that capital, that process has become much more productive. It's become much more less capital intensive. And now that capital is free. Well, so think about it. You got all these people, you, you, you like overnight. Take this chunk out of everybody's overhead, and then stuff consumers' pockets full of. It's going to look like uh, it's going to look like a productivity boom, isn't it? I,
1: I would I would agree with you if if you had a bunch of inflation too. So, we what did, we did 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 is the key, the key there because we don't anymore. For the last nine months, we haven't like.
0: Well, but but, but all the but but that's because you're not those things stop doing. They, they stop. But, but going but up. The,
1: the the point I'm making. So we, we didn't have a productivity. We didn't have productivity ripping when inflation was ripping. It's been ripping since. So inflation's come all the way back down to, to essentially two on a six, nine month basis. Um, but then despite that fact, incomes are still really high. Income growth is still doing way like above trend. Consumption is accelerating and is above trend. Uh, output and most measures is like above trend. Like, so like, the economy typically, if you get inflation go from nine to two, growth gets growth gets whacked in that time, and it hasn't. Like growth is like cool. I don't care. Like I'm staying up here despite the fact that inflation is going away. And to to me, the explanation for that is the fact that it's productivity. Now, if we st- if we still had like six seven percent inflation, then it'd be like okay, yeah, you're you're just throwing free money at us, and we're just we're just using it to make things look good versus
0: I know, but, you, but, but yeah, but you're going back on what we talked about the other day, though, because we, we were sitting there saying that productivity is such a tough thing to pin down, meaning of all of the
1: source the, of it, I would say is tough. to
0: Well, pin. in all economic data, the timing of it is always the tough part, meaning, right, like the, you know, getting the economic picture, right, is one thing, but getting the timing right, as far as when things are picked up by economic, that's really tough. What you're making an argument is saying that it has to be a real productivity boom because of the timing of it. I mean like it, it wouldn't surprise me at all if – if, like let's say – and I'm sure it's more complicated than this. But let's just say for the sake of argument, the productivity boom is coming from what I'm talking about, right? It wouldn't shock me if the data didn't start picking that up for 12, month, 12 to 16 months after the fact.
1: Well, I mean, we're, we're tracking – Especially
0: know. with all the damage that was done to the economy right out of the gates. Like it makes sense to me that there was a lag and then the productivity boom showed up later.
1: I don't know. I, it's not how I see it. I, I see a lot of like so, – so like the, to me, the thing that got us off the scent of everything that's happened, got us thinking recession, there's tons of data suggesting, hey, you're about to hit a recession. And then here we are with 4% growth. Even if it's two and a half in real life or two or something, it's still above trend growth, despite the fact that like hours work, if you look just just straight up, hours worked, it's at levels 100 percent that suggests you're in a recession. But growth is really robust. Wage gains are really robust. Consumption's really robust. Production's really robust. That again, it suggests like, well, you, you don't need the hours to get the production. That-
0: I know, I know, but how do you, but how, but, but, okay, but how do you, how do you, okay, so if all of that is true, then this is unlike, well, I mean, we know it's unlike any other cycle in history, but if that is true, how can all of those positive things be true and, and all of these other things are getting left behind? How can those things run at the same time, right? Productivity booming, income surging, listen to the listen to that narrative you just laid out. Meanwhile, Apple and Nike can't get anybody to buy their stuff. I mean, they're still selling a lot of it, but you know what I mean. Like you're like you're looking at these stalwart consumer these consumer companies.
1: They're they're buying it all from Microsoft and Meta, I guess.
0: I, but what? There's not enough sh- stuff for people to buy from Microsoft and Meta. It's all business to business stuff. I think we. I mean, because that's all. I mean, Microsoft, right? I mean, like probably 85 percent of both of their income statements are responsible from businesses or business activities, right? Sure. Like, facebook leads and all you know and microsoft teams and all that kind of so stuff. so
1: maybe that's it though is you, you can argue a lot of the tools those companies sell are productivity enhancing tools
0: there, well there is no question about that
1: so then making a bunch of money tells me like but that's all kind of tied- shoving productivity everybody down everyone's throat
0: yeah but that's all tied to my work from home thing
1: to, they- well to a point i mean we don't we don't work from home much here and, and i use the heck out of microsoft and google tools and they definitely make me more productive yeah no and i'm I mean, not banging out widgets but
0: yeah yeah no so i'm just yeah my whole point is saying like i i see that as like a um i just see that i i know that that's technically productivity i just i see it differently than that because if 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 we chalk all that up to, i mean a productivity boom should not a, usually a productivity boom is not going to be the seed corn for a real estate collapse.
1: Are you suggesting we're having a real estate collapse?
0: No, like like I'm just saying like, not real, that's too general, but like commercial office space, right? Like meaning
1: a productivity boom. Well, I think you've just made the argument that, that those two are tied at, at the hip. The fact that commercial real estate is having problems and, and productivity is booming.
0: No, but what I'm saying is, like a lot of things right now, you've got to file that under productivity. But
1: the, so here, 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 here's how I'll counter what you like just said. The
0: automobile was a cell phones were a boost in product, right? Like all this kind of stuff. People, people switching over to like the stuff we're talking about that I think is responsible for the quote unquote productivity boom we're seeing. Those things are not permanent. Like meaning, meaning it's not really a, it's not really a like. People are – companies are – like this is not a permanent shift. I think you're going to see over time that work from home thing normalize more. I don't think you're going to go all the way back to where it was before just because I think too many businesses have – there's a lot of businesses that you looked at over the years and went, what do you guys buy that big office building for, right? Like it's just a lot of wasted money in space. Mm -hmm. Then there are other businesses where – like for instance, you know, people would think that about the finance business. I think it's the exact, like I find high value being able to be in the same room, especially like our staff w- wouldn't need it as much. Like they, I think mean, they could probably be fine, but like for the investment group that we've got here, I, I, I need to be in the same room. I mean, we can dial Marcos in on the, you know, but being able to, you know, for instance, you and I and Matt being able to sit in the same office and have a call, there's a value that comes from that. Anyway, my whole point is saying, uh, like, I see that as like a temporary shift that makes companies temporarily more profitable and i know you have to file it in productivity and i'm probably splitting hairs here but anyway i just so,
1: one thing i want one thing i want to add and then we should probably leave productivity behind but because uh, you're saying like okay like well how is that gonna be the case but then there's like these dead bodies well, over
0: well here. for instance what you said you were like a lot of people screw off at home it's not a productivity boom it's it's a it's a it's a cost cutting it, it's a re, it's kind of like a reshuffling of the business to make the overhead go down you're not getting so moving people to home does not increase their output,
1: right? But what we're seeing to me is increased output. But you
0: get, but if you get, but if you do get, I guess if you do get the same amount of production from that employee without having to pay the overhead of the building, there you go. Th- there is a product, right?
1: That that I, I guess you could. But I th- I think looking at the suite of tools that person working from home has now compared to five ten years ago, a lot more they can do a lot. Yeah,
0: even even truthfully, even five years. Right. Meaning some of those programs exist, but nobody was really using them. Right. You know, like I look at how much more we utilize DocuSign compared to where we did pre COVID.
1: Right. You can just have- that is a, is a, and just being able to zoom someone real quick, like that, it yeah. genuinely helps. Um, but what I would say is like, you're kind of like saying like, well, then how are we having all this weakness over here? Um, but I would argue that that is what productivity looks like is if you have a productivity boom, you will have a lot of dead bodies float up because you're, you're going to inherently get rid of some things that aren't productive enough. Like bubby, buggy whip makers? Right. When you, when you mentioned like the automobile, my first thought was like, well, yeah, like that, that smoked you know the, the, the buggy whip. like The people that were raising the horses and everything for the buggies, like it was a bad time for, for, for them, but that's because of the productivity.
0: Yeah, but, but, but how many net jobs did Amazon cut last year? You know what Ford wasn't doing in the 20s? They weren't laying people off
1: but again like on net we're not laying people off
0: well again assuming that all those all the data points are are right but i mean but what i'm what i'm saying though
1: is that they're not
0: but i know but okay but if the companies that are driving the productivity boom are the
1: ones laying people off that suggests the productivity boom look at look at i mean we know meta is going to let some people go right and look at their quarter i mean they're making it rain with less people that is by definition productivity well just going I think going through the roof
0: i think they're a bad example just because they were, I mean, they were going to have an impressive quarter no matter what, especially over a year,
1: over year-over-year basis. That, true, but even looking at their what they're saying about the you know the next year, and, and this goes for a lot of the, the names. There were there was there were times I was getting concerned about well, a- some of these companies because they're letting they were letting people go. And I'm like, well, if you're a growth company and you're letting a bunch of people go, like, um, how does this work? But then they let people go and then they proved like, no, we're still growing fine. It's just. We can do it with less people.
0: Yeah, no, no. I mean, well, and, and that was one of the reasons why Meta's always been one of the ones that we've held in that basket was because. And if you think about it, if you think about it, like we look at where they gin up the majority of their revenue and profit from. And I think that it's, if you understand who their customers are, I think you can make the case that as far as their main revenue line goes, it may appear at times to be somewhat recessionary proof, meaning Facebook ads we've used them before. Now we don't now just because we've got our own marketing, you know, set up and we've got our platform built. It's more efficient, but Facebook ads for the money, they are shockingly good. Like I, I, I talk to people all the time, leads, you know, where do you get lead, lead source? And I'm like going, Hey, if you're looking for the most bang for your buck, man, Facebook ads. And my point in saying that is you could see in a recessionary time, more people turning to a service like that. Right? So, I'm not. I, Facebook is is. I think Google is kind of similar, and it's funny to me that those have been. I mean, Facebook came roaring back. I think Google will probably do that at some point in the next year too, just because they're both like that. Um, But yeah, I I don't know. I I like I texted you to earlier this morning. You and I were talking about this, and I just said I'm I'm at a complete loss, uh, other than the fact that I know that you can't be short them. Um. And they're putting up pretty. It like I said, it's almost like we have two separate stock markets. We've got the Meg Seven stock market, and we've got everything else. And one
1: hundred percent, that's and that's for at least a year now, a little, I, little over.
0: Yeah, I mean, you could say it's been longer than that. I mean, with the Nasdaq almost doubled up the S and P, and it's run this over this last fifteen years, which, which makes
1: sense yeah. right?
0: when you look at the companies at the top. I, I and
1: but, the crazy thing is, going back two and a half years, the Nasdaq's up like five six percent.
0: Well, here's the other thing too, and this this. It, 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 and I'm, again, I am not doing this and I'm not suggesting anybody else does it too. Um, I think you make an argument the bigger those companies get, the less likely they are to face legislation, antitrust legislation.
1: I mean, yeah, they're I think ca- you can make that argument either way. Yeah.
0: They're carrying a lot of weight right now economically.
1: It, and, they're and carrying a lot of weight. They are. And, and if you look at like trade war and geopolitical stuff with, you know, like against China, how how do you out-compete if some- your, your enemies if you kneecap, your innovators, you know, if,
0: if somebody, and, and I think, and, and this is, this is a thing that I honestly think in the not too distant future is going to be an issue that we are dealing with as a country, because if these country, if these companies, I think we, the internet has enabled something that's never existed before. You've got, if these you, do you realize that if those companies were to double from here now they would, they, they couldn't do that unless the American, but they are gaining on the, the, those companies could feasibly make – could be the same. They could make up – their valuation could be in the next five to seven years. Realistically, they could be 60 to 70% the entire size of our economy. And I think that in and of itself is a danger.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, that's very, very dangerous.
0: Well, because if they are, right, look at the I mean, power. They don't want
1: up $200 a today.
0: Today. And think about the ability that gives them to influence politicians, like influence – and we know they're already doing it. Like this is, it's fascinating. I because I don't know the answers. I don't know where it's all going. But you're just sitting. It feels like we're living in a sci-fi movie. Yeah, hundred percent. You know what I mean. So anyway, well, <clears throat> what else? I know you got to run. What, what what else? Closing up. What what are we looking for? And we we're going to talk about what we're going to do. Um, so I I mean, at this point, I think we got to figure it out w- whether we're going to go with the. And, and just for the listeners, we're debating. Um. I, you know, we'll see the way it rolls out, but I think the, the board, and I think you agree, you cannot be short this stuff. And in this environment, I really think, obviously we want to see what, you know, follow through for next week, but it feels like it's increasingly looking like you need to be long these things with a net underneath you.
1: Yeah. Or as uh as my good friend, Jason has, has been pleading and, and saying, you know, Hey, as the golden age of options, like, we, we, we've talked about it a little bit and, and that is introducing essentially right tail hedging through options that that is still to me a very a very good uh approach and one that you can just set aside a very fixed amount of money and put it out there and a small a smaller you know piece of money so you don't have to tie up you know 20 30 40 percent of your portfolio and stuff you don't really want to own just to protect the right tail and you can you know, always have that one, two percent, whatever it is, maybe up to five. Just always hedging that right tail. Every pullback, buy some, buy some calls, and
0: yeah. And it also is a. I think it's another way to, uh, you know, rather than fighting the current, swimming with it. Meaning, you know, rather than pounding your head against the table like I have for years now about volatility being dead. You know, to make volatility great again, we pulled those out too early, didn't we? uh <laughs> Thanks, thanks, Copy. <laughs> way to way to curse us on that one, Cupster. uh But but you know that to go to your point, it's also a, a good way to quit fighting that and take advantage of low volatility.
1: Yeah, I mean, exactly. It it's a, a way to make a lot of things work for you, um and to do it, e- even though I think we all view, or maybe, maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but I, I view options as very complex and complicated, and has math in it, and it has you know at least two more variables than a regular investment, so a lot I think a lot of people just want to avoid it because of that, but at the end of the day, you can better define your risk in an option than you can anything else you you can know exactly how much you're risking and then you have the just built in convexity of um it's either going back to nothing, and I just well there went one percent like that was worth the hedge or it can go you know supernova for you so if we do. Have the NASDAQ double in an 18-month period or something, you know, if you had a, a reasonably aggressive call built in, like...
0: You know what an interesting little portfolio would be right now? Like having like a 15 to 20% slice of the portfolio, strictly options-based, and then take the rest of the portfolio and make it like a mix of uh, uh, really short-term and like two-year treasuries. You know what I mean? Because...
1: Right, one is an outright inflation hedge, and one or is uh, sorry, uh, uh, one's an outright recession hedge. Things get bad, and then one's a, a right tail hedge. That way, like you, you can play the portfolio down the middle with value and things you like and things you make think make sense, and then you have kind of the bad side, the bad side hedged, and the good side hedged.
0: Yeah, and and I, it's it's a way to, I think it's a way to be levered without really being levered. If you think about it, it's almost like a risk parity thing. Just like if you did that, right? Like a
1: smart, a smarter one, yeah. A
0: smarter one. It's an unlevered risk parity portfolio. But if you were like eighty percent short-term fixed income and twenty percent long options, it'd be interesting to play with it because I, I, if you if you did the option side correctly, even if you only had fifteen to twenty percent of the portfolio,
1: and I don't think you have to go that high because of the built-in just natural yeah, the, yeah, convexity but, you can yeah, get, it.
0: and it gives you plenty. It gives you plenty of room to keep up with the market with that amount of money, or like you said, probably even smaller amounts. Yeah, that'd be a really nice retirement portfolio in this environment. hundred percent. Yeah. Because, you know, if any of those black swan events do happen, those bonds are going to rip.
1: Yeah. It's just it's just like any other, any, any tail risk hedging you see, like where you'll see these you know, funds that just specialize in it. And they sit there and just kind of bleed, 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 bleed a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. And the next thing you know, it's like, oh, well, we had a thousand percent month. i yeah. like, well, wow, yeah. okay.
0: Yeah, that, that that pays the bills. Yeah. All right, pal. Well, uh, hopefully you guys gleaned something from this. Um, I think this is the time to to have a bigger imagination and to widen your universe of possible outcomes and, as always, manage risk. So until next week, we'll see you then. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com.